And I can remember sitting in the pew thinking to myself shortly after communion, I was sitting there and I was just thinking, how, how did this happen? This, this isn't what this was supposed to feel like. This isn't what I want. And I instantly heard a reply in my heart, like I've never heard before, but a voice that said to me, this isn't what I want for you either. Welcome to the Crazy Catholic Convert Podcast. I'm your host, Karen. If you were to ask me why I became Catholic, I would say, short answer, beauty, goodness, truth. Long answer, well, that's why I'm creating this podcast. Ever since I became Catholic, I felt called to evangelize. I have stories to tell, and I know other Catholics do too. Our faith is a gift. It should be shared. For this extra bonus episode, I am sharing the testimony of my cousin Amy. I will also be sharing her interview next month. I'm just so grateful to have a cousin like Amy. I don't have any sisters, but I do have some awesome female cousins. If you like this podcast, thank Amy because she is the one who gave me the book Rome Sweet Home, which of course started my conversion to Catholicism. She was also the first person to let me interview her. It just so happened she was coming through town right when I was going to learn how to record an interview from Deacon Matt. And I said, Amy, do you want to come along? Because this whole technology stuff, it's not my strength. It's really out of my comfort zone. But you're an engineer. Two minds are better than one. And if he lets us practice, why not just have our own little interview prepared? So I just sent her some questions And she was like, sure, that sounds like fun. And she was so well prepared and gave such good resources. I'm just so excited to share her interview with you next month. But first, let's listen to her testimony. All right. Thank you, Ryan. And good evening to all of you. I know a lot of you know a little bit about me already, but I wanted to go ahead and kick off with some introduction. So like Ryan said, my name is Amy. Currently, I am a member of the Pastoral Council here at St. Christopher Parish, and I have three children, counting the one that's obviously coming soon. And a few years ago, I actually worked here at St. Christopher Parish in the, the children's ministry, what Margaret's doing tonight. And before that, I was a technical services representative at Epic for a little while. And before that, I studied bioengineering at the University of Pittsburgh and also worked as a lab assistant. But that's my resume, that's not really who I am or much about me. So when I was trying to come up with what to share tonight, that was really the question that the Lord put on my heart is, who am I and who are you? I find it's kind of difficult to answer that without listing a bunch of things that we do, because those aren't really who you are. Those are things that you do. And I think a lot of us spend most of our lives or a portion of our lives kind of exploring that question, who am I? And each decision that we make is shaped by our history, our values, pieces of who we are, but but at, our, at my core, who am I? So that's kind of what I want to share tonight, my first real exploration of that question. And I always feel a little self-conscious sharing this story because much of it takes place in college and I'm kind of like, oh, that was a stereotypical college thing to happen to me, but I also think that it is is—it is profound. Everyone's story is profound in their own way and regardless of when it happens in your life. So that's, that's the story that I'm going to share tonight. So like most people, college was the first time that I kind of faced that question, going off on my own, who am I, what sort of person do I want to be? Prior to college, I had been raised in a Catholic household and received my sacraments. 
I went to Catholic school through eighth grade, but then public school for high school. And there were certainly times when I felt like my faith was a very important part of who I was and, and a very important thing to me. But then other times my faith was definitely something that I did rather than part of who I was. And so just one notable story to illustrate that I can vividly remember one Sunday mass when I wanted to wear my beloved duct tape Converse high tops to mass. And my mom told me that that was totally unacceptable. And I said, well, okay, then I'm not going to go to mass. And a mighty battle between mom and preteen ensued, as you might imagine. And she left without me. So in that moment, my chucks were more important to me than Sunday Mass. But at the same time, I still felt like Catholic was something that I wanted to maintain. When I went to school, I was going to try and, and remain Catholic in college, but perhaps not quite as Catholic as my mom. So when I thought about who I wanted to be when I got to college, the things I thought I wanted to be were popular and desirable. And I really didn't think that many Catholics were those two things. I thought that in order to be popular and desirable, you had to kind of go to parties and have lots of friends and date lots of guys, mind of a teenager right there. So I went to college and I had tried to do those things. I also signed up for a Catholic Bible study in the first week of school, but I tried to keep it a secret to the extent that I would literally sneak out of my dorm and lie to my roommate about where I was going. But as time went on, things very quickly went from okay to pretty terrible. And essentially, I mean, it was all my fault. <laughs> I had missed the opportunity to bond with any of the females in my dorm because I was trying to get to know all of the guys and kind of cherry pick which one was going to be the best one to date to make me most popular. Really twisted. And then they figured out what I was up to because I kept going on dates with different people every couple of days and then wanted no, nothing more to do with me. So I found myself very quickly, very alone and excluded from both the girls and the boys in my dorm and in a city far away from home, no real friends. And then I found myself at mass. I was still going on Sundays out of habit. Um, and this particular Sunday, I was feeling the weight of the loneliness and all of my decisions kind of bearing down on me. And I can remember sitting in the pew thinking to myself shortly after communion, I was sitting there and I was just thinking, how, how did this happen? This, this isn't what this was supposed to feel like. This isn't what I want. And I instantly heard a reply in my heart, like I've never heard before, but a voice that said to me, this isn't what I want for you either. And of course, I was shocked because who hears the voice of God? And it wasn't like an audible voice, but I just knew it, that that's what was being said to me. And I've never really had that same experience again. But in that moment, I was just so completely taken aback, began sobbing. I don't remember a single thing from the rest of the Mass other than crying, except the words of the intro song that the mercy was there. I was feeling a sense of comfort, like I was being held. And here I was at Mass, so very alone, but then also I, somehow I was not alone at all. I wasn't popular or desirable by the standards of the world, but for the first time, I knew and believed that, that I was desired by God and that the Lord of the universe wanted me and he wanted good things for me. So after this miraculous moment, obviously things in my life needed to change. I decided that, well, clearly this is a sign I need to give my, my Catholic faith a fighting chance at being part of who I am rather than something that I do. But change is super hard. Everyone knows that. I had to walk back a lot of the decisions that I'd made and this persona that I was inventing for myself and walk away from some of the relationships that I was trying to form. 
I had to stop lying about going to Bible study and make an attempt to form real authentic friendships. I will also say that I have a very analytical mind and it's not in my nature to simply accept something because someone says it's true even and perhaps especially if that someone else is the Catholic Church. So this began for me a period of serious exploration about the in questioning the teachings of the Catholic faith. The good news is that the Lord knows what we need and when we approach with an honest and open heart he's he's going to answer those questions that we have that we present to him. And he did that for me through the, my Bible study leader, Annie. And she could tell that I was experiencing a change and, and I had questions and I was se- seriously seeking. And she walked with me through this time of exploration. Annie invited me to go to confession with her. This was the first time that I'd gone in years. And she provided a good examination of conscience for me to use. We're talking like a page of what are my sins front to back, two columns, very small font. and I read through it and I remember thinking about several of the items on the list no way is that a sin no one told me that and so I went into the confessional that night or day whatever and I remember saying to the priest "I'm, I'm confessing some of these things because it says so on my paper but I don't really get it why is this a sin and he was able to explain some of those to me and talk me through it That's also my little public service announcement that it's okay to do that, to ask questions in the confessional and to admit that you don't necessarily understand something. That's also my invitation that if you haven't been to confession in a while, today is a good day to go. There is a shorter, not front and back version of an examination in your yellow sheets that you guys walked in with. So that can be a help too. This experience of that first in a long time confession and the many more after it were really critical to the process of changing my ways and kind of uncovering who I wanted to be, who's who's the real me underneath all of this. I was verbalizing out loud, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to try it a new way. And I was letting in the grace of God via the sacrament, hearing Jesus say to me through the priest, I absolve you of your sins, which is his way of saying, you are forgiven, go out and sin no more. Like he says so much in the gospels. And I was learning that I'm not defined by those sins or past mistakes, those choices that I made. Annie also gave me a copy of the Catechism, which is a book that explains the teachings of the Catholic faith. So while I was sitting here wondering about all of those sins I'd never heard of before, I was able to look in my little book and figure out, read a little bit more about what what is the official church teaching on this thing and, and why does it say that. I wasn't ready to accept follows the rules as part of my identity unless I really agreed with the rules. And ultimately, I would come to discover that the teachings of the church are well aligned with logic and science and the natural law. They are for our own good and not to limit or restrict us. But it was really empowering for me to be able to do that exploration and come to that conclusion on my own rather than to just trust it on faith. Annie also brought me to adoration for the first time ever, which is, you know, what we're going to be. That's the main event for tonight. I mean, perhaps for some of you, this is your first time ever attending adoration. At first, I thought it was a little bit strange. There are a bunch of special prayers and gestures that go along with it, and I didn't know that. I did. I wasn't really fully prepared. So if that's where you are, that's okay, too. Um, I think it can also be hard for those of us that haven't done it before to really know what to say during an extended period of prayer or quiet time, especially in front of the Eucharist. And in those moments, I like to remember a story from when St. John Vianney was a priest. 
And the story goes that there was a farmer who would come into his church regularly to pray before the tabernacle. And one day, St. John, at the time, Father John or whatever his name, I mean, he was a priest, but some of, you know, different names sometimes. Anyway, (laughs) he went up to the farmer and he asked, so what do you, what do you say when you come before the Lord? What do you pray about? And the farmer replied back, nothing. I look at him and he looks at me. So if that's all you do tonight, that's enough. If you look upon the Lord and let him look at you, that's enough. But in any case, I began to go to adoration more frequently. I used my time there to read the catechism and the Bible and then I talked to Jesus about what my what I was reading. I would share with him my questions and my reactions very honestly. Like Ryan said, I don't have it in me to be dishonest and not forthright. So I, you know, I shared that with the Lord just as I would share it with anyone else. And throughout this time, I was learning more about, about God and our faith, which in turn taught me more about me and who I am. I remember one notable day in adoration There was a procession of the Eucharist around the room, like there will be here tonight. And the priest passed by me with Jesus in the monstrance. And in that moment, I felt like I understood how the hemorrhaging woman must have felt in the Gospels. In Mark 5, 28, she says, if I but touch his clothes, I will be cured. And in that same way, I felt in that moment, if I could just reach out and touch Jesus in the Eucharist right there, then I would be cured. But what's really cool is we can touch Jesus in the Eucharist every Sunday at Mass. More than touch him, we get to consume him. So amazing that he's given us that gift. And he can truly heal our broken and hurting hearts if we allow him to do it and have faith. The hardest thing for me to let go of was dating. I had had a string of boyfriends pretty much one after the other, basically since the first day of high school. It was something that I felt was part of my identity. But I was discovering that it was really something I was using to cover up a hurt spot in my heart, and I needed to let the Lord heal that. So I took on a very intentional dating fast, where for a period of time, I avoided any one-on-one outing or event with a man that could be construed as a date. And I went to weekly adoration and spent some time praying the prayer, Be Satisfied With Me by St. Anthony of Padua. This prayer speaks to the heart of a person who is desiring to be in a relationship or be married. And I know many of us in this room are beyond that dating phase, but I think the message of the prayer is still one that applies to all. We all need to hear it. So here's just a few lines from that prayer. Everyone longs to give themselves completely to someone, to have a deep soul relationship with another, to be loved thoroughly and exclusively. But to a Christian, God says, no, not until you are satisfied, fulfilled, and content with being loved by me alone, with giving yourself totally and unreservedly to me, with having an intensely personal and unique relationship with me alone. So week by week, I sat before the Lord and I prayed to be satisfied, to be content, to be loved. I think in order to truly know who I am, I need to see myself the way that God sees me. I need to see my reflection in his eyes and feel the love that he has for me. And for the first time, probably in my whole life, I was finally able to be truly confident in myself. I finally believed that I was good enough just as I am. And I am a child of God. However, being confident in our identity as a child of God is not a one and done thing. I have had many times since then that I need to be reminded. 
when I finished my dating fast, I soon started dating the man that would become my husband. He took our kids away, so he's back in the the back somewhere. He's a wonderful husband, father, and man of God. And I often look to him for validation and affirmation, especially now that I'm home full-time with the kids. And while he does love and affirm me, he has also had to remind me that he's not going to be the one that will fully satisfy me or fulfill me the way that my soul truly needs. Only God can do that. And this is true for us at any stage of life. My job cannot fully satisfy or fulfill me. My children cannot fully fulfill me or love me. Only God can do that. Similarly, I struggled each time I took a step back from working. I struggled when I switched from full-time work to part-time, and then again from part-time to full-time at home. I could tell that my kids and my family needed more of me in order to thrive. However, I also felt that I would be worth more to the world if I had a job, did something productive. But that's a lie, and that's not from God. That's not to say that working a job is objectively bad. Obviously, we need people to work for the world to go round. And full-time at home with kids is certainly work, (laughs) even if it's not paid. But the point is that my worth as a person does not come from what I'm doing, does not come from my job. It cannot. And each time I stepped down from employment, I needed to dive more deeply into prayer again to feel confident in my true identity and feel confident in my worth in the eyes of God. Now, these days, life is very busy. College me could not have imagined how nonstop this phase of life would be. And it feels a little weird to say, but I really do feel blessed that my life fell apart in my own microcosm of the world that freshman year of college. I was blessed that I had so much time on my hands to do all of that reading and study and exploration. I was blessed that God didn't let me wander around any longer wondering who I am. And because of the time I was able to commit back then, studying our faith and establishing good habits, now when I start to get stressed out or feel lost in the chaos of life, I know where I can turn to figure it all out again. Usually it starts in the confessionals over there. (laughs) Now, I know everyone's circumstances are different, but I also wanted to share a real life picture of what our family is striving to do to remain rooted in faith and kind of uphold and continue that. Faith is part of our identity as a family, and and this is what that looks like in a very practical sense. Uh, We have committed to one hour of adoration per month during the first Friday vigil that takes place here at the parish. So this is on the first Friday of each month. There is time when the Eucharist is displayed for adoration from Friday morning overnight and then into Saturday morning. And our committed hour is early on Saturday before the kids are up. So my my, we, my husband and I split it. So really each of us only goes every other month. It's really not that much, but it's a commitment that we hold. We also try to come to confession once a month. And we we often will do that on Saturday mornings as well. They have We have confession here at, at the parish in adoration at the same time. And we do bring our kids with us to that. It's chaotic and stressful and we're really loud. We do our best, but it's important to us that the kids start to sit before the Lord and understand that mom and dad need forgiveness too. Sunday mass is non-negotiable. I don't care what shoes my kids are wearing or if they come barefoot. And I hope that one day my daughter comes in her duct tape Converse high tops rather than not coming at all. But no shame on my mom. She had a lesson to teach me. My daughter's wearing a really inappropriate aerial shirt today in case anybody wanted to check that out later. A plus parenting today. (laughs) 
<laughs> but she's here. We also try to read a Bible story each night with our kids and share evening prayers of things we are thankful for and people we want to ask God to protect, bless, or heal. We thank God for our day and our food at each meal. And of course, my husband and I also try to sneak in our own personal prayer time and study whenever we can. We're not perfect. Sometimes things get skipped, but we do the best that we can. And these practices help keep us and me confident in our identity in Christ. And I pray that one day my children will grow up knowing that they too are children of God and that they have worth and dignity just because of who they are. And my last story, finally, that I wanted to share is that just because I call myself a child of God doesn't mean that I, I get it all right and it's smooth sailing from here on out. If you couldn't tell that already, I there are lots of times when I get things wrong, when things are hard and I get discouraged, but I can remember this one time at Mass when my daughter was little, she was kind of just squawking happily during a quiet moment at Mass despite my best attempt to shush her. And... This time, suddenly, instead of being really irritating, all of a sudden it was funny to me. And I kind of just looked at her and laughed, thinking, she's doing the best that she can. And I realized, you know, I bet that's what God says about me. I hope that he looks down at me like a father looking at his child. And he sees the messes that I make, and he just has to laugh. And I hope he can look at me and say, she's doing the best that she can. <laughs> I know that I'm not going to ever do it all right. But like, I feel like I've said it a hundred times now, but it is true. I'm, I'm trying to do the best that I can. And I'm trusting that the Lord's going to appreciate my best efforts. And at the end of the day, when I go to bed at night, even if I'm stressed out about my job or my children or the piles of dirty laundry, I can rest knowing that I'm not defined by my job or my children or the number of loads of laundry I did this week. I am a child of God. And he shows me who I truly am. I hope you enjoyed listening to her story. Isn't she wonderful? I love the last story, especially. She's just doing the best that she can. So anyways, next month I will be sharing my interview I had with Amy. Some of it does kind of overlap, but I just thought it would be great to give you her testimony first. I actually listened to it after we did our interview and it just made me want to interview her all over again. I just, I really admire her so much and I'm so thankful to her for teaching me about the faith. So stick around. I hope you can join me next month.